If you have your Bible, I can tell you that. <clears throat> Be turning to Acts chapter 21. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 30 through 40, which is the, uh, the end of this chapter. You know, we've been talking for weeks just about this transition that we see in Paul's ministry. And I think one of the things that you can see here uh, just in our title this morning, the compromise of being led by emotions, there are compromises that come from that when you are led by your emotions. And one of the things that we want to do is really consider um, Paul being in, in Jerusalem. And is this the best course of action for him or not? Remember, we mentioned that in terms of the intention of his heart, I, we really can't say that there's something wicked or evil about what he, what he wants to do, right? He wants to share the gospel with his countrymen. He knows that collectively from out the diaspora, the world at that time, the Roman Empire, really, that they were going to meet in Jerusalem because now this is the week of Passover and they'll have, you know, the feast will be after that. And so he knows like, man, I'm, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. But regardless of whether or not that is true, should he be there is the real question. And perhaps even in amongst our title there, we're kind of looking at something that may lead you to why it is that he is there and maybe some things that we can learn from scripture about making choices in this way. And so if we look at Acts 21 and we'll look at our text here. Rashad, will you do me a favor while I'm reading? Will you just advance that? Um, okay, so... Let's start in uh, let's start in verse 27. <clears throat> it says in verse 27, and when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help. This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place, and further brought Greeks also into the temple, and hath polluted this holy place. For they had seen him before with him in the city, uh, Trophimus, an Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. That's, make sure you see that, supposed. Okay. And all the city was moved and the people ran together and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. Our Paul is, is, is be, being taken and now is being beaten. It's been a while since we've seen physical harm come his way in that way. What it should make you think of is remember when he was stoned to the point that people thought he was dead. It's been a while, years. Verse 33, then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and commanded who he was and what he had done. And some cried one thing and some another among the multitude. And when he could not know the certainty for the tumult, he commanded him to be carried into the castle. And when he came upon the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers 
that born there is just to being carried. Now look at why of the soldiers for the violence of the people. I mean, you know, you think about when people are carried in celebration, uh, football games, people win, coaches on the shoulders. Man, we got to get Paul up and away. That's how violent this group is. And when you see something that's kind of interesting of this chief captain, there is, I saw, you know, just in two numbers, but somewhere between 600 to 1,000 individuals that he would have at his command. It's a large number. I mean, this is a big deal. This is not like some small little dust up with five or 10 people. And so it goes on to say, for the multitude of the people followed after crying away with him. For some of you, I know your word, you may be familiar with that away with him. And as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, may I speak unto thee? Who said, canst thou speak Greek? Art not thou that Egyptian, which before these days, like you made us another uproar and led us out into the wilderness, 4,000 men that were murderers. But Paul said, I'm a man, which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Sicilia, a citizen of no mean city, meaning a city that is uh, not very recognizable. Nothing special about and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, I hate that we're ending on a, it's not a period. So we got to read the next verse. <laughs> Go to verse 22. And I'll stop there. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And so this is where, one of the great uh, opportunities we'll get to study in the coming weeks of just how he lays out his testimony of things that have been happening and uh, an unfortunate response to said testimony uh, won't even get to finish it. And, uh, and so that's kind of where we're at. And so now back to my original statement. And we're talking about making decisions based off of emotion. One of the things that we know of these Jews that are leading the church, okay, especially if we're talking about Peter, James, and Paul, is that they are Jewish to the core. They are proud of their heritage. They are proud of who they are. Um, at times, it is borderline, you know, bigotry, uh, just in terms of their viewpoint of Gentiles. But I think it is with that heart attitude that we see uh, with Paul is that really it is the emotion and the love that he has for his countrymen that has led him to a poor decision to be in Jerusalem in the first place. And so we need to look at this just so you understand what was said earlier. Now, I don't have this in your notes, but just kind of write these down and follow with me, or you could turn your pages so we need to just look at what did God say earlier in Acts 9 chapter, or uh, excuse me, chapter 9, verse 15. So we'll kind of be flipping through Acts. So you can go back there just so you can kind of see it. This is during his conversion. This is the chapter of, of uh, Paul's conversion. And uh, you guys remember that the Lord said to Ananias, hey, Go basically put your hand on him 
you're going to give him his sight back, baptize him, and then tell him, you know, what I have for him. And so here it is in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, it says, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way to Ananias, he's saying, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Okay, so you see, this is, this is God's plan. And the interesting thing is, to me, is just the order by which the Lord said that. I don't think the Lord is not playing around with words. He absolutely put it in that order on purpose because of what his, he's the apostle of, the Gentiles. Peter being the apostle to the Jews. If you flip your, your Bible then to Acts 13, 46 and 47, so that was what God had said earlier. And then we see that there is a sending out. In Acts 13, 46 and 47, it says, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of unlasting, everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation until the ends of the earth. That is a critical statement in Acts. Critical statement in Acts. See, the thing that you may have forgotten is there was a national invitation given to Israel at the point where Stephen is giving them the business. I mean, boy, he's just going down the history essentially of how they have not chosen the Lord God. And he's basically saying of them in terms of how they've just denied the Holy Spirit. So you guys remember in that situation, this makes the Jewish leaders of the Sanhedrin so mad that they stone him to death. Well, in the process of him being stoned, he looks to heaven it is the only time until later on that you see Jesus standing. Now he's standing for a reason because if the Sanhedrin had have accepted what it was that Stephen was saying, he's coming down. This would have been huge. So a little bit, they kind of missed the opportunity, at least in terms of a very real, like open door opportunity that man, okay, Israel, you, here's your shot. So now the thing, though, that is interesting for Paul is that this guy, because of his heart for his countrymen, he, he is saved. He loves being saved. He knows what he got saved from. You don't think he has a burning passion to share that with his countrymen? And so every time he's trying to make sure he's going to the synagogue, I'm going to tell you. And what happens? They get all upset. And then eventually he's pushed out into the Gentiles. And then things start happening well. You know, it's kind of interesting. And that, that's like the basically all of Acts in, with, with Paul. Go to the synagogue, doesn't go well. End up with the Gentiles, goes very well. A lot of fruit. Now we're in chapter 21. And we're in front of maybe the most Jews that he's been in front of saying these things about how God is using him and ministering to the Gentiles. And uh, let's see, we've been beaten. We've been arrested. 
People can't tell the right testimony of what happened or not. There's confusion in the crowd of who it is. The chief captain says that I must be the other outlaw that happened a couple, a little while ago. Man, what are we doing? If you turn again, there's something I kind of want you uh, to see again, Acts 18, five and six. Acts 18, five and six says this. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said to them, your blood be upon your heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. Uh, Paul, why are we standing in front of Jews right now? You see what I'm saying? See, I think you got to take note of something in 2 Timothy 3.11. He says this about his capture and the trouble that he had in ministry. And he said, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Elisha, were persecutions I endure, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. You guys think about just the ways that we saw him getting delivered. At each time, it looked like it was, you know, like an action movie. It's, you know, cutting to the scene and he makes a jump and then there's an explosion behind him and safe. Next city. We're going to do it again, y'all. <laughs> you know, let's play the hits. <laughs> I make everybody mad. They want to kill me. And I'm still going to have some people get saved. Praise the Lord. Let's try it again. Next city. Right? This, this is what we've seen. So now... There's something that I want you to just, in terms, I'm just walking you through some in order to help you kind of see perhaps our brother, he shouldn't be here. Acts 20, 22 says something very interesting. This is Paul, okay? And he says this, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit, little s, unto Jerusalem not knowing the things that shall befall me there. And I love that he said that because then the Holy Spirit is going to fill him in on what's going to happen to him there. Okay, so now if we look at verse 4, chapter 21, you have your, uh, or no, I'm sorry. That's not right. Let me get my, okay, yep. So Agabus, there's one before that. I'll have to scan up. Will somebody do that for me and just look up above verse 11 in chapter 21? In verse 11, it says, and when he had come to us, he took Paul's girdle. This is Agabus, the prophet. We haven't seen him for a little while. He came and dropped some truth that there was gonna be a famine in the land. And essentially out of that uh, came true, <laughs> right? So. There's a thing that you will learn in LFBI that validates the prophet. If he um, prophesies over something and it comes true, then that means you have to give him attention because now there is some truth to this guy and that he is actually a messenger of God for something prophetic. Okay, so here it is, Agabus, this is what he says. And when he come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, 
bound his own hands and feet and said, thus saith the Holy Ghost. You see who, now who did he just say was talking? Remember, what did Paul say? I don't know the things that befall me there. The Holy Ghost said, let me clue you in then. Bound his own hands and feet and said, thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews of Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and should deliver, excuse me, him into the hands of the Gentiles. Did anybody find that one earlier when it's those disciples? Four, it is four? Oh, yeah, yep. Okay, so in verse four, I was right. I don't know why I doubt it. <laughs> so, um, so in like in, uh, let's see. Yep, in verse four, he had found these, uh, these uh, disciples in Tyre. His ship stopped there. He tarried there seven days, it says, who said to Paul through the spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, it's Paul's spirit within himself that's saying that he needs to go. But the spirit is saying, don't go. And warning him. So again, y'all, now can you see what I'm saying? We have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. See, I think there's obviously a compromise that kind of comes out of this. And I think this is where we kind of want to make our, our study and just start getting into this. The compromises of being led by emotions. There are going to be three things that we're going to look at. The first one is going to be, be when we're led by our emotions, our safety is at risk. When you are led by your emotions, your safety is at risk. Think about how emotional conversations go. They almost come into fights. Maybe they do. Emotions get involved in, in the highway and you're going to let somebody know how you feel about them. And they're, sometimes they're ready to pull over and see if you're ready to cash that check. Better just stay in the car, keep it moving. People are crazy. The second thing we need to look at is when we are led by our emotions, our testimony is at risk. So I'm here to suggest something. I don't want to villainize Paul. I just think he loves his people. He made a poor choice. And the rest of Acts changes. We were going to new cities. We were seeing the gospel go to the Gentiles. Now, and you know what? Think about it. Remember I told you guys we were spanning years. Now we're looking at days by the hour. It gets very detailed because the Lord is trying to make sure we don't miss this so that we don't have the same problems. We already know the state of Israel as a nation. Again, that doesn't mean we give up. We don't villainize them. But if the Spirit has told you on more than one occasion, do not take your hips to Jerusalem, then don't go. See, we can think about a time where he did actually obey that. Remember, he wasn't allowed to go into Asia. He didn't. And then he had the vision at night to come into Macedonia. What happens as a result of that? He meets Lydia. This is what I'm saying. It's a big deal. Just not casually not listening to the spirit's leading. 
Now I'm getting beaten. Now I'm, I'm, I'm having to be carried away by enemies. It's not like Rome is a friend of Christianity. I'm surrounded by them. The last key point that we're going to look at is when we are led by our emotion, our fruit is at risk. Our safety is at risk, our testimony is at risk, and our fruit is at risk. And so let's get into it. That first key point, if we go back to 30 through 32, it says there, and all the city was moved and the people ran together and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple and forward the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captains and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. So that first key point is when we let our, by our emotions, our safety is at risk and get this down. Never let your emotions lead you outside the hand of God. Never let your emotions lead you outside of the hand of God. The Lord has provided a warning. It came from people that we can back up their testimony of who they are, and you just completely ignore it. Surprise, surprise, it's not working out. See, the thing, Jesus ended up in similar situations in in Luke 4, 28. It says this, and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. Same, similar situation. Oh, but wait a minute, different ending. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. And see, the thing, listen. Uh, Paul, you're captured right now, and the Lord is letting you lie in that bed. How many of you have made choices that were based off of emotion? You didn't consider the Lord. You didn't heed the Lord's warning. And then you get in it, and then you're like, oh, no, this is not what I want to do right now, <laughs> right? And you're like, Lord, help me. And the Lord is like, I'm going to let you lay in that bed with them thumbtacks for just a little bit because you need to learn to not move without me. You can do nothing without me. So our dear Paul is suffering these beatings and this whole persecution. He brought it on himself. See, a lot of times we always want to throw blame to the God in terms of what it is that, you know, why are you letting this thing happen to me or that thing happen to me? But maybe you just need to take the ownership that, well, when you made an emotional decision and it turned into a train wreck, that's your fault. That's not the Lord's fault. Now, praise the Lord. What we are going to see over these remaining chapters of Acts, and that essentially the beginning of the poor choice is an emotional decision to go be with his countrymen and make sure that they hear the gospel again. Nothing inherently evil about that. Just not the thing that God wanted him to do, which is why he's warning him. 
So you got to think about something in terms of that effectiveness. And a lot of times, boy, that's, there's a compromise that happens when I try to mix what I want to do with what God told me to do. And now I'm trying to fit it into a context that makes sense for me. And oh man, I get so good, I can justify it. It's dangerous. You see here in uh, verse 31, it said, and as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. The Lord is providing a way out, but this guy is no friend of his. This guy really is only showing up that justice might be served, not because favor is being imparted to Paul. Now, the Lord is using this guy as a pawn, right? It's like, hey, get, get my son out of this situation. <laughs> I don't want him to be here, but he's here. So I'm still going to provide. And listen, that's a comfort for us. Like, we don't have to think that the Lord now, because I made a poor emotional decision that is a train wreck and it's blowing up in my face, that somehow the Lord is like goody and rubbing his hands together. No. He's like, okay. Is this enough for you to end up back on your knees? See, that's how you always got to look at it. The Lord is always looking to be right with you. So if you stepped out of bounds with him, man, you can get right. You can do that. And I'm thinking what we're going to see through this is just that redeeming quality about Paul is he keeps the main thing, the main thing, even though he's in a tight spot, it's still about God's glory for him. And so God is going to use it because that's just how this works. So, man, don't just think that God is done with you because, again, you made this poor choice. Key point number two, when we are led by our emotions, our testimony is at risk. Don't miss this. Emotional decisions never paint a clear view of who you are. When you make emotional decisions, it never paints a clear view of who you are. So then people can be confused. That's absolutely what happens here. See, then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. Remember, this guy's not a friend of him. He's just coming to stop this uproar. That's why this castle is up on a hill. Uh, I think it's uh, the castle of Antonia, which is named after Mark Anthony, because him and Claudius were uh, friends. And so they're just having a high position because they're like, man, we're just going to let the Jews do their feast thing. But if there's an uproar, we can get to it quick. So it's like the police, riot control. Now, notice something there. There is two chains mission there. There is another uh, place in scripture that you see those two chains mentioned. Write this down. is in Acts 12, 6. Peter, also two chains. I know y'all thinking about the rapper. Just, just, just stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> Two chains is not in this story. <laughs> okay, now let's just glance at this in Acts 12, 6, because I want you to see something in terms of that the Lord allowing you to lie in that bed. Okay. He's with you. He's going to lay down next to you, but you in that bed, <laughs> okay? 
And you're not getting out anytime soon now. And let's look at this version when you see Peter with two chains on and what the difference is. Okay, Acts 12, 6 says, oh, let's start in five. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Check it out, verse seven. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, a light shined in the prison, slapped him on the, uh, probably on the face. Hey man, <laughs> raise up, get up quick. And what happened with his chains? And his chains fell from off his hands. Paul still got his chains on. Maybe I'm not in a spot I'm supposed to be in. It's a hard reality sometimes when you realize that maybe I took some uh, detours here and I shouldn't be here. But, you know, our dear Paul never wanted to just let an, opportun uh, an opportunity pass him by. It's still going to be about the father's business which again is the lesson that we learned. That's how you do that. It's not time for pity party, y'all. That's what we want to do. Become the victim. God's always, how come I never get blessed? Why is the Lord always allowing this to happen? And again, there just needs to be a hard look in the mirror that says stop making emotional decisions as if you have no options. I had no choice, Lord, but to choose this way. Really? I don't think so. Verse 34, and some cry one thing and some another among the multitude. They can't even get the same story straight because remember, some of these are from uh, Living Faith Jerusalem that's in the midst. And so they're probably trying to tell what is actually happening. And then you got these other ones that are like, no, this guy, yep, he's the Egyptian and he's crazy. He done turned the world upside down. We just need to kill him. Let's just stop talking about him. Let's just do that. And when he came upon the stairs, so it was that he was born carried of the, of the soldiers. Remember, we said that for the violence of the people, for the multitude of the people followed after crying away with him. The same thing you saw of Jesus, but Jesus is absolutely where he's supposed to be. See, that's the difference. Now, let me read something to you that again, I don't, I don't have your notes. It's just when I was kind of researching and I, I mean, this, you know, it'll slap you around. So get ready. <laughs> so I just wrote as a little note to myself, Jesus, this is Jesus' commentary on doing the will of the Father. Buckle up. John 5, 30 through 36. This is what our Lord said. I can of mine own self do nothing. So remember when he said, man, I'm, bound in the spirit, got to get to Jerusalem. <laughs> the Lord already just right out the gate. I can of my own self do nothing. Okay, Lord, uh, can you take it easy on us? Nope. Here's what he said. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the father which sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Lord, okay. Um, <clears throat> if you were Paul and you were reading this, you're like, man, come on now. 
See, then he goes on to say, he says, there is another that bears witness of me, and I know that that witness which he witnessed of me is true. You sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth, but I receive not the testimony from man. Boy, I love that. But these things I say that ye might be saved. <laughs> he was a burning and a shining light. You were willing for a season to rejoice in his light, but I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father have given me to finish the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. That is a mic. It's like you just threw the mic down. It crumbled in a thousand pieces. Because can Paul say that right now? Can he make that last line? I love that line. Let me read it again to you. But I have a greater witness than that of for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because when I hear, I judge and I judge righteously. Man, listen, I, you know, so uh, <laughs> sinless, spotless perfection is an impossibility for the believer in our own flesh, right? And you get that covering essentially by Jesus Christ and putting your trust in Jesus Christ. And so I'm saying all of this knowing full well, we are going to wrestle from time to time of making poor choices. And you know, one of them now, let me just, one of them could be ministry. You got offended by counsel. They don't know me like that. This is all for free. I'm out of here. And the Lord said, be here, minister here. Man, get on the, get in the Bible study, get, you know, be a, make disciples, share the gospel and do all that from this, this platform here. And now that emotional decision, just because you offended, you about to say, I'm done. Where are you going to end up? Your safety is at play. This is why I tell y'all, being a fellowship leader with all the challenges or whatever that it has, not only so the Lord saved my soul, but faith fellowship and the, the responsibility of that saves my life. I would be a fool without that. I need that. I need to have to, I need to be forced to get in front of the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to say to these people. You tell me. And it's sweet time that I have learned to cherish if you don't have boundaries like that, y'all, I'm telling you, you are missing out. And the devil will sift you constantly. And you will never move from making poor emotional uh, uh, choices to a place where now you actually are useful to the Lord. Listen, don't live a life that always has to have you saying, rescue me. That's not, the, that's not normal. Yes, we want to be dependent on the Lord. I can do nothing. But when the Lord says and gives you a command and you go do that thing and you go be a part of it and you heard the right thing that you need to sign up for this ministry or that ministry, man, if you have the blessing of your leaders, then do that thing and do it well. Paul, our only fault with Paul as a, as a father in the faith, 
I will entreat him as a father. If I was speaking to him, I would just say, dad, I know you love Israel, but you could have avoided a lot of the suffering that you're enduring right now. If you had to just did what the spirit told you to do. Thank you for your lesson. I will try not to repeat the same. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay, and so, <clears throat> again, in terms of watching and seeing Jesus away with him and knowing that he was in the right place at the right time, 37, and as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, may I speak unto thee, who said, canst thou now, canst thou speak Greek? I mean, he's being disrespectful. Now he's like, You're, you can speak in uh, the uh, educated language. And Paul because I think there is a little bit of, uh, I'm starting to realize that perhaps this is not, <laughs> humility is on it. Instead of him answering back in some kind of way that would have got him slapped or something like that, what does he say? And then he goes on rather, now he just further, <laughs> in terms of that testimony, aren't not thou that Egyptian, which before these days, made us an uproar and let us out the wilderness, 4,000 men that were murderers. Man, Matthew 5.11, guys, we ought to tattoo this on our hearts. Listen, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and you shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. What does the beginning of that say? Blessed are ye when that happens. Man, Paul, just, just take it. Then it says in verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they, the prophets, which were before you. So now this is an opportunity. Again, this is that perspective that has to shift when you're in a difficult thing because you made some poor choices and the Lord is allowing you to lie in that bed. And now you kind of think that uh, a little bit, you have a justifiable reason to not obey him because you're in a tight spot that you put yourself in. No, no, sir, no, ma'am, that is not true. Blessed are ye when men show a value. Verse 39, but Paul said, I'm a man which I'm a man, a, a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Sicilia, a, city, a citizen of no mean city. And I beseech you, suffer me to speak unto the people. Make sure you understand something. No mean city is correct. Paul tries to say that he is a Roman by telling the chief where he is, uh, excuse me, where he's from. But the captain is unfamiliar with his home city being a part of the Roman Empire. So he tried. Remember, he'd done that before and it worked. Now we're going to see in, in chapter 22, eventually that chief captain is going to learn that he is a Roman citizen. Like, oh no, <laughs> I shouldn't have arrested him and all these other things. But that's, that's not for right now. Right now, this chief captain has no idea. Man, your testimony. All the things you've done. Right? Man, it just, it goes back to, man, who are you doing them for? Key point number three. When we are led by our emotions, our fruit is at risk. We see that really just in verse 40. Emotions 
tend to narrow our view and our audience. Emotions tend to narrow our view and our audience because he had such a heart for his countrymen and what he thought was a wide view because now this is a large group of Jews narrows his focus from what it should be on, which is Gentiles. See, when you get emotional, a lot of times you just searching for that one person that sees and agrees like you are. This is how churches get destroyed from the bottom up because what happens is, is now you're telling business that ain't somebody else's business and you just destroyed the view of that leader in the mind of that individual. That narrows the view. Instead of you thinking, hey, this is about us collectively. Nope, it's about me. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like it. I'm a quit. Why do we serve under this so-and-so? They don't know nothing, they don't even know the word. Or, or worse, y'all, now listen to me, parents. Worse, you go home and you having these conversations perhaps with your spouse, but it's an earshot of your children. And you wonder why perhaps those children may be disrespectful to the Joshua Horas, the Jeff Gracers, the Nate Fife, all the various ladies that are part of that. Come on now, let's be careful of the seeds we sow and then not be surprised well, how that fruit grows up. Verse 40, and when he had given him license, that would be the same as suffer mentioned earlier. All it is is that, please allow me to speak. Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue saying, See, he's speaking in the language of his countrymen in order to appeal to their commonalities. But the Lord had already opened the door of communication to the Gentiles. And there's nothing common there. And where we would be common would be the commonality of our faith in Jesus Christ together, which would be a greater connection. So now you understand, again, just this weakness that Paul is showing. I'm glad that the scripture laid it out. Remember, this, our study of Acts really was about making sure that we don't put Paul on some pedestal that Jesus, him and himself only be standing on. The Bible is very clear. The argument with Barnabas, maybe we could have handled that differently. This situation could have handled that differently. He's going to run his mouth to a leader and he's going to immediately correct himself. Sorry. See, God is showing you this. Why? Just to comfort us to know like, oh, yes, the baboons will win. We're okay. <laughs> right? So it's okay. You're like, man, I'm an idiot. No, listen, this is not about self-hate. This is just about you honestly taking a look inside and saying, am I a person that makes tons of choices based off emotion? And now somehow I villainize my own Lord because it's hard for me. See, this is what I want you to do. There's two absolutely beautiful verses, set of verses that will tell you how to just think through this. 
See, Paul's saving grace through this mess is when pressed, his words and actions glorify God. That's how you get out of this. First Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and what? And be ready always to give an answer. Hey, Paul, not just to the Jews, but to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Every man. Brother, don't think that you got to be the answer to the Jews. That's kind of disrespectful to Peter and James. Kind of disrespectful to living faith Jerusalem. See, this is one of those things where sometimes we get that crawl. We're like, ah, it's got to be me. I got to be the one. No, the Lord don't need you. He wants you. But he don't need you. So for a moment, that emotional decision just helped him dance himself right into arrogancy and pride. And now he's in trouble. Getting beat for it. The Lord's like, well, maybe you'll learn. Hurts don't. That other verse that's beautiful, 1 Peter 4, 15 and 16, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So listen, this is what I'm asking you to do this morning. Can you, in conclusion, can you make choices now that just simply starts like this? Lord, I recognize that I have made some poor choices with my emotions that has led me and maybe led me to having fractured relationships, having a, a skewed view of you. Can you just simply own up to it between you and him? Just own up to it. And then, and then say, okay, and Lord, I will give you praise. Thank you for even just hearing me. You are the God of everything. Thank you for being with me in that. Have you not been supplied? You're, you still have breath in your lungs. You still have gone about your affairs and your business. Our children are rising up. They're actually growing in age and, and making good choices, even despite the emotion that sometimes clouds your judgment. Have, hasn't the Lord been good to us? Let's start with praising our mouth first versus saying, Lord, I'm a victim. Because listen, at no point in time did you get on the cross. That's the standard. It's the cross. And so with that, it's decision time for you. And it's high time, meaning then time, that we stop making emotional decisions. That we make them and we understand that these things, that how the Lord is guiding our feet and our path, the thing that is in front of you, the Lord wants you to face it. And you do that in desperation of the Lord at every step, if necessary. Lord, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to say in this situation. Tell me how to act in this situation. Lord, I don't know what to do here because it's further than where I was. And just, we're going to watch Paul navigate this, but you got to understand up front, the Lord had already kind of made his choice on Jerusalem. And yes, any other opportunities that come up for people to hear the gospel, sure. 
The Lord knows what they need more than Paul does. And don't, don't, don't do that. Don't try to jump ahead of the Lord and help him out. It never works for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you uh, again just for today. And Lord, just how um, even this message ministers um, to me. And Father, I pray just as uh, the leader of this class, that Lord, that there will be an example even on, on my end to make sure that I'm not emotional and that we together collectively would just be provoked to just set our emotions aside. We have your word. We have the spirit. We have counselors that can give wisdom. Lord, I pray that we would use all the resources that you gave us and left us with. And that, Lord, we would be a class led by you, directed by you. And so, Father, have your way in this class. Turn this class upside down. That, Lord, we wouldn't just embrace struggle as a, as a normal life position. Lord, that we could be victorious. We, we're not on uh, uh, defense. We're on offense. You've already settled it. It's done and we won. Lord, I pray that we would be a class that will understand what true victory, biblical victory looks like. Lord, be with us as we uh, make decisions today. And uh, Lord, I pray just uh, grow us up into your image. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.